0: Welcome back,
1: listeners. Hi, everyone. I feel like I identify them as listeners. I know you say friends, but I'm like listeners. I mean, I like to
0: say they're listen. We've gone through a pandemic. Listen, Linda, listen. Do you remember that video of that little kid that was like, Listen, Linda, listen? So funny. That seems like a lifetime ago because that was pre pandemic. So anything that's like pre pandemic is like a lifetime. Ago. And like years before that. Yeah, too. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it probably was years before. I don't know. I just now live in the world of Pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, even though post is still in it. I don't know. Yeah, it's post-it's like two in different it. worlds, right? <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly that. I think also our heads are spinning as we come to the end of the year. You know, some districts are already, you know, at the end of May, done with school. Others go into June. So we've just been in IEP meeting. I think I've had like 15 so far. It's been a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what's crazy? I normally have like a very insane last few weeks of the school year with like, I mean, I used to have like two a day IEPs. Mm -hmm. This year seems to be a lot less crazy for me. But as I'm saying that, I'm sure I'm getting scheduled. But do you think it's because you're not driving as much? They're all virtual. So it doesn't really seem like a lot. And it is. Or maybe like, I know that I had a lot of clients where like we had changes made in like December, January that our plan was to check in on things mm. March, April. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Early, those yeah. ended up being the like end of the year IEPs yeah. that, so maybe it's just more yeah. spread out than it used to be. Mm. I don't know. But the driving piece is always like not having to drive to IEPs right now with these virtual IEPs is just a godsend. Like I, the I, amount of driving we did before.
1: I mean, I agree. And I think our guest today will probably kind of share the same sentiment. Hi, Beth. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So Beth is the host of Elevate Your Ed Advocacy podcast, and she is also the founder of Parent Friendly OT. Beth, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs)
1: thanks for coming on. So Beth, we always like to open up with having you kind of give our listeners a taste of who you are. So OT, but when we were talking, you were saying you're a realtor as well. So (laughs) that's amazing. I love a pivot. I love that. But tell us how you got into OT. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: So I actually... Oh, My 20s were so much fun. And so I started my OT career kind of later in Mm life-ish. And how I first started working with people with disabilities was I actually was terrible at languages in college and ended up taking American Sign Language.
1: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm.
2: And in that process, I actually loved that language. I picked up on it much easier. And we had a bunch of community events that we went to and we just talked with deaf people. It was amazing. Yeah. So carrying that forward, I just started working and falling into these positions with working with children with special needs. And I got certified as an adaptive horseback riding instructor, I think 15 15 years ago. I love that. Yes. So when I was collaborating with an OT, because we were providing services for like a school group, she came over and kind of talked about what she wanted us to focus on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, what do you do? And she's yeah. like, I'm an occupational therapist. I'm like, yeah. that sounds like exactly what I want to do with my life. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's how I found occupational therapy. And then we've always had side hustles. So, yes, I started out in a clinic setting, which was really cool because I got to do early intervention. I got to do okay. outpatient yeah. therapy in a clinic. I got to go in homes and do like
1: saw everything, everything. Oh, that's awesome.
2: It was amazing. So I really got to see the system from outside of the schools. and then mm-hmm. when I started in schools, I was like, Oh, I know what parents have been through up until this point, and I know where they're going afterwards mm-hmm. too, and mm-hmm. I know what the outpatient space looks like as well. Yeah. so I kind of got a bird's eye view of the system and how it all works together and how confusing it can be,
1: yeah yeah, through it
2: so yeah, I mean, I started being an oT in schools. I always kind of knew that I was going to land in schools mm-hmm. and during the summer, you have this big break, so we have an investment company on the side, and I was awesome. Like, oh, I'll go get my real estate license, and so as my job has shifted with the pandemic, you mm. guys were just talking about the pandemic. My young child got quarantined five times from daycare. Wow! And in the schools, you just have seven days off a year. Right? That's all you get. So right. we, we quickly had to pivot, and I had already kind of dabbled in this. Oh, I love helping parents. I yeah. love helping parents, and I love breaking down the system because I just understand how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm just doing real estate and I'm doing parent-friendly OT and it's been amazing. I'm really loving it.
0: So tell Nancy. us a little bit about, I know you have like workshops and courses for parents to kind of navigate this IEP process, you know, from that lens that you came from. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So, like you guys said, I'm the host of Elevate Your Advocacy podcast. And that is kind of behind the scenes like, hey, this is why it feels so secretive sometimes. Mm. This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. This is what you can ask for. This is how you can know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, it's that behind the scenes peek in just knowing the system a little bit more and knowing how to gather your thoughts and come to that IEP a little bit more prepared. And I have a signature course, which is called the Parent IEP Academy that runs. Mm -hmm twice a year. Mm-hmm. And it's a guided course where we dive into a really big aspect about either the system or the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all throughout that course, you're building your parent input plan. So mm-hmm. when you go into that meeting, if you're mm-hmm. emotional and you're forgetting what mm-hmm. you want to say, it's mm-hmm. on a checklist, one page thing in front of you. And you've really put a ton of thought into that parent input plan at the end. So I have a couple mini courses. I have an amazing. Um, virtual parent IEP advocacy summit that I'm putting together in September. Ooh. That's oh, going to be very cool. Yeah. That's going to be free. So I'm putting that together. It's a ton of work and a ton of fun. I've met yeah. so, I've so many amazing so, people do that.
0: So we wanted to talk today about the parents role in IEP, you know, mm-hmm. on this podcast, we often talk about Things that parents need to keep in mind, you know, really trying to empower parents. But we wanted to dive deeper into that role. So what do you see the parents like main role in the IEP process?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people say this, but don't really explain it, that the parent is the expert in the child. Mm -hmm. And it seems so like high level, like, yeah, of course I know my kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what does that actually mean? So I think we saw this a ton (laughs) In the neurodivergent movement, when mm-hmm. things started to change outside of schools mm-hmm and then everybody in schools was just so far behind. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Our system is so broken and so Mm -hmm. archaic Mm -hmm. that when I found out about the neurodivergent movement, for people who don't know what that is, it's adult autistics that are coming out and trying to help parents parent their autistic children by giving Mm -hmm. them more support and realizing Mm -hmm. that when they have a hard time, how they can accommodate instead of this you need to fix your behavior to fit in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you need fixed. It's Mm -hmm. really a a movement to support those kids as they're growing up. So when we saw all of these parents getting support from autistic adults, I started bringing that into my schools and just talking to even the program managers for the autistic Mm -hmm. programs in schools. And they were like, oh, I've never heard of that before.
1: Right, right,
2: (laughs) right. Oh my gosh, this is what you do all day. And you have yeah. no idea what's happening outside right. of these four walls. Right. So when I say that a parent is an expert in your child, we can even talk about rare disabilities. There mm-hmm. are so many genetic conditions mm-hmm. where yeah. mm-hmm. even I have to look it up. Let me Google that real fast. I've never right. heard of that one. Right. right. As the parent, you've been to all of those appointments. You've been to all of you've those. You've done things. the research.
1: Yeah. And Absolutely. you've heard the doctor speak and what that actually looks like through your child.
2: Mhm. Absolutely. And you've already been trying things at home? Yep. I think as parents we all kind of brush this away as like oh mm-hmm. we we'll just do it to get through the day. But right. You are actually doing those accommodations at home to get them to learn how to do whatever you want them to do. You know. Right. Yeah. So I think when I we talk about being an expert in the child, you have so much more investment in where they're going as well. Mm-hmm. So you're an expert mm-hmm. in the disability. You also care about mm-hmm. what happens to them after they make that next transition to middle school and mm-hmm. after they make that mm-hmm. transition to high school. And then mm-hmm. after life, you're the only person who is going mm-hmm. to be there for the that consistent.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're that
2: accountability partner to the team, because mm-hmm. if the team blows it off and really doesn't do what they're supposed to do for a year. It doesn't really affect them, but it definitely affects
1: you and it definitely affects your right. child. So you're an yeah. accountability partner as well. Oh, I love that. Being able to set the expectation I don't think that parents think about that when they go into an IEP, right? Like when they come to us, it's like, okay, you're the attorney. And then, you know, the better parents always ask, okay, like, what do I do? What do you do? You know, or, or if they don't ask that, I let them know, you know, Hey, I'm just there. I'm going to be asking really simple questions. It may seem really simple. Like Vicki, why don't you know the answer to that? And it's like, I would like to hear what they say. <laughs> I want to know right. what they think the answer or we're is, not, right? Or
0: we're not with your child every day. Mm-hmm. Or Mm -hmm. in some cases at all, right? We're not there to say, well, yeah, I see my child do this every single day. Mm -hmm. What the Mm -hmm. parents need to be there for as much as it's hard to have, you know, to face, you know, a room full of, you know, 12 people.
1: Absolutely. And I think being able to kind of break down like you did what expert means because we say it all the time, right? And it's so funny until you really break it down and let the parent know like, look, maybe you only give your child two choices in the morning. You can wear this shirt or this shirt. Maybe that should be an accommodation. Like don't, tell the child what to do or not do, give them a choice. And it may seem like really, and you'll have teachers that just do that automatically, and then you won't. And that's why you have to have it written in the IEP. Because if that's what's going to work for your child, and you know that it works for your child, then it needs to be written in the IEP. I always love to, when parents share, I had a client with a kiddo with autism and you know, if he w- was becoming dysregulated, you know, whatever that means. But, you know, he was being big emotions. Sometimes he would just kind of come up and just put his hand on his chest, right? So he was describing that to the team. He's like, look, I give you permission to do this. I know it's kind of a weird area, you know, it's huge, blah, blah. blah. But like, sometimes he just needs to know you're there, right? And so the team was able to create something to replace that, like at school. And that wouldn't have happened if that dad didn't open up as to something that happened at home, right? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. When you have meetings, and we've had meetings like this where we can't get a hold of the parent, which is the opposite of all of our listeners, right? Mm. We can't get a hold of them. We have to hold the IEP meeting without them. It is such an empty meeting to be Mm -hmm. like, well, I guess we'll just continue (laughs) with this. And what do you think? And we're making decisions without that other person who knows them so well. And it really upsets the team when you're not there. So Mm -hmm. as much as IEPs can be stressful and you think that Mm -hmm. people don't care that you're there Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're not being heard, it makes a difference that you are just even there to share those kinds of things. Because without you, it's just empty. It's an empty meeting.
1: What else do you tell parents that you can share with our listeners about that integral role that they have at the IEP?
2: I think just that vision piece and the priority piece. Mm -hmm. There's an example of a couple middle school parents where they came in successively and the first year it was great. Like this parent had a clear vision of what they wanted their kid to be able to do in a couple years or after high school, they even had an idea of where they wanted to go. And it was such an amazing thing to watch the rest of the IEP team be like, oh yeah, she'll need this skill, which is in my area Mm. let's make sure that she can do this before she graduates high school so that she can do this afterwards. It gives kind of a common focus. Whereas, you know, middle school, especially elementary school really frequently doesn't think about that next level very often. Like Mm -hmm. you're that person who is kind of thinking ahead of time and it can be hard sometimes to really think about this ahead of time. But it really focuses that team to know where they're going, because without that, especially kind of in the mid-level, middle school area, people are just like, okay, we're going to focus still on reading and math when mm-hmm. you might really care about them being able to get up in the morning, get dressed, you know, those life skill mm-hmm. pieces, mm-hmm. but the team doesn't know that unless you tell them that. So it's really that parent is just a refocuser. They're a visionary to steer the team where you want them to go.
1: I love that. That's a really great reminder of being able to kind of share your vision, especially the annual IEPs. And of course, you guys know that you can have an IEP outside of your annual IEP. If new things uh, pop up, you make that request, an IEP should happen within 30 days. But the annual is probably a really nice kind of refresh of, you know, last year, we're really focused on this. As we're going into middle school, I think this is where the focus needs to be. And I think for parents too, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay. If you don't know an acronym, it's okay to say, how are you doing that? Or like, I don't understand this goal. And we say this all the time. If you don't understand what the goal says, that's not good. Like you should be able to replicate these yeah. goals at home. And if any if the pandemic showed us anything, parents had to become the teacher. Right. And they had to, you know, did the child, you know, like pass the school, you know, da, da, da. like it really gave a lot of parents insight as to how their child learns, which is a little different because other than, you know, sometimes passively, you know, children, they'll, maybe you practice with them to start crawling, to start walking, to start speaking, you know, you're singing, you're reading, you're doing all the things, but really one of the first times you're like kind of sitting there trying to teach is like potty training. Right. And like, that's why there's this whole thing. There's the whole industry of potty training. Right. Because really at the end of the day, this is the first time, like you may be teaching your child something and they're like, kind of learning. It's like the first time, like this kind of like, Mm -hmm. I am the teacher, you are the student kind of thing. (laughs) And I think that, you know, that happens. And then, you know, they're five and then they're in kindergarten. You know, you don't really know how your child learns or you think you don't but you absolutely do. Just like you said, like having that perspective of like, you are getting them to do stuff at home. So what works? Do you have a visual board, right? Like
0: (laughs) some parents do, and some parents don't. And that's okay. And like, what language do you use too? Mm. like, you know, I, and this potty training example is already giving me anxiety because we're potty training in two weeks and I'm already nervous about it, but we did take a class and we're like watching it last night. And so much focus is on the language we use Mm -hmm. and same with a lot of things. Like you think about like, even like gentle parenting and just different ways of, you know, redirecting your kid in the language that we use on, on a day-to-day basis. I think that's important because if you are, and even if you're not like, hyper-focused on like the language you use, there's probably things you say to your child mm-hmm. to calm them down, right? Mm-hmm. When they they scrape their knee and they're upset, there's probably something you say. Maybe there's a way that you call them. Maybe you sing to them. These are all things that I don't think parents maybe think mm-hmm. about because it's like, well, this is me in the comfort of our home and like what we do. But sometimes it's those little things that can make your child more comfortable, at school, because they're obviously most of the time comfortable at home. And if you're tying those together, they're like, Oh, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was funny. We had a preschool student a couple of years ago
2: and she was just amazing autistic individual. And we sat down with mom and we're like, she's still not responding to her name. It's kind of weird. And mom had this look on her face, like, Oh no. And we're like, what, what's going on? She's like, I call her baby at home. I call her baby. I don't call her her name. She responded to baby just fine. And she, she, once mom kind of figured it out and started doing it at home, she responded to her name so quickly, but it was like, she's still not doing this and kind of expected her to be
1: there. Just like a little, you know, and it was like coming out with no judgment. It was just kind of like, this is not happening. And then like, you know, and the parent being like, Oh my God, (laughs) call her baby. That's so funny. See, I like that. I like, you know, oftentimes when we get involved, there's a breakdown of communication and our job is to try to be, and this is just our law firm, like other law firms do things differently and that's fine. But you know, sometimes we're not going to be there past that IEP, past that year that we're with the family. And so we want to try to rebuild that relationship. And I think that that's what's key is, is you kind of spelling out, look, parent, this is your role and really understanding that and having the confidence in that, I think really helps parents moving forward, which is oftentimes, you know, we're a counselor in every sense of the way (laughs) we're like, you know, we're listening, you know, we're hearing them and we're advocating on behalf of their child, but I like your focus because like you said, you see the forest, you know, and and oftentimes as parents, we just see the tree. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that that is what your podcast does and what you do through your courses. And with the course, how can parents contact you if they want more information or just kind of want to learn more about you? Absolutely. My website is
2: parentfriendlyot.com. And you can find more course information under the products tab. And you can find, of course, all the show notes and you can listen to the podcast from my website as well. So that's parentfriendlyot.com.
1: And Beth, I'm going to completely put you on the spot. We oftentimes like to end, we haven't done it in a while, but we like to end on like a feel-good story. Is there an instance of a parent that you helped advocate or when you were in the schools in person or virtually that just like a fun story that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, I
2: love, and this ties in really well with just the communication and asking questions during the meeting. Mm. We had a really cool parent that was very strong advocate and she came into the meeting kind of the first middle school year that she had with her student. And, you know, the inclusion thing is huge. Like let's get inclusion, hundred percent inclusion. Mm And so she kind of had that mindset. And then when she had this clear vision of where she wanted her kiddo to go, she started asking questions about what it looked like. Hey, Mm -hmm. how are we going to get there? Mm -hmm. How are we going to do or address this skill? And it ended up you just really saw her transform and her light bulb go off because she's like, oh, so I want her included in this to get these skills, but I want her pulled out of the general education classroom because she really needs one-on-one or small group hmm. help with these skills. Hmm. And it was so cool that she came in and she had a clear vision of what she wanted, right. but right. through asking those questions and having having the confidence to ask those questions because you're right, like. Even if you come through my course, I have support afterwards, but I'm not there with you. Mm -hmm. What I really want you to have is confidence so that you can ask the questions because I'm not going to know your district. I'm not going to know your team.
1: So
2: her confidence and just being able to ask those questions and slow the team down was just incredible to watch. And now she's on the track that she's getting the help that she needs to obtain that vision statement that her mom had for her. It's so cool.
1: I love that. And I love that being able to ask questions and then getting an answer, right? That made sense to her. And if you don't just keep asking, (laughs) and then if not come to Beth or come to us and we can help, we can see how we can help out. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Beth. I love that story. Thanks for coming on and listeners hope you enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Mm, Bye.